Well, we're going to jump right into the message today, uh, and I want to get to our theme verse. It's found in, in uh, 2 Corinthians, it's chapter 10, and um, when we do series, we often like to have a theme verse that we go to at the beginning of every message, and so I want to take a look at what we've been studying, just the idea behind this series. It's 2 Corinthians 10, it says that though we live in the world, we don't wage war, war like the world does. So what does that mean? That, that just because we're in the world, we don't act like the world, right, everybody? I mean, just because we're, just because we're part of this doesn't mean we're going to live, we're not going to respond the way the world responds. We're, they may respond with anger and hate and racism and malice. No, no, no. No, that's not us. We don't fight like the world fights, Paul says. So, so on the contrary, our weapons have divine power. So it's not just power, but it's Holy Spirit-filled power. Come on. It's divine power to demolish, and say this with me, strongholds. And that's what this series is about. It's about breaking strongholds. We're breaking down the lies of the enemy. We're breaking the things that, that Satan has been holding us captive in. What's a stronghold? All right, it's any area of your life that, that is controlling you, any area of your life that won't let you go. It's any area of your life that keeps showing back up on the New Year's resolution. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Every year. If, if, if it shows up every year, it's probably a stronghold. So Paul says that what we've got to do is we've got to demolish the arguments, which are rebellious ideas and the, and the pretensions, the areas where we're pretending. And we've, we've got to demolish those because they set themselves up against the knowledge of God, the truth of God. All right? And we've got to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And in this series, we're, we're realizing how important our thought life is, everybody. Come on, don't you know that, that it, 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 there's a, a game, there's a war that's going on in our minds, amen? All right, all right. So um, today what we're gonna do is we've talked the last few weeks about week one was, was the truth about lies. Uh, last week we talked about overcoming addiction and we realized that most of us probably have an area in our lives that we, we do something that we don't wanna do and we can't stop doing, so that's an addiction. <laughs> it's something that we, we can't stop. Most of us have an area like that, but today we're going to talk about sex. All right. Come on. Yeah. I love it. I get, get an amen corner over here. All right. We get, talk about sex. Now, uh, just a reminder, it is, today's message is going to be PG-13. So if you've got kids, you may want to go ahead and just check them in to kids' church and, and let them hear an age-appropriate message today. Okay. Because um, here, here's the thing, uh, I, I know it's an awkward topic to talk about in church because most churches don't talk about it. Hey, can I just say that uh, we're, we're, we're inundated with it in our world today, that sex is a big topic in the world, and, it, and we have what we have in the world today because the church hasn't talked about it. Because the, their, their, the, the church put their head in the sand and they acted like everything was fine, and we're just going to worry about us. But I'm just here to say... That we, we, we can't just live like that anymore. So a, a lot of times it's awkward because y'all don't know how to respond. Do I say amen? Do I, do I look, look at the floor? Like, what do I do? I elbow somebody? What do I do? How do I, how do I live this out? So we're going to talk about sex today, sexual activity. Okay, so let me define sexual strongholds. A sexual stronghold is sexual activity outside of the parameters that God has set up. All right, what are those parameters? God's parameters for sex 
is one biologically born man married to one biologically born woman. And, and today I have to say biological because you know what's going on in our culture today. And so that's God's standard, what we read in the Bible. So, so we don't get to set the standard, everybody. Like we, we don't get to define God's way of sex. Can I get a witness? Like we just, that's not for us to decide. It's here in, in the Bible. And so um, a, a, lot of, a lot of us, we've just been silent in the church. The church has not said much, but the Bible actually has a lot to say about sex. Has a lot to say about it. Um, in, in fact, God designed sex. God created sex. Uh, I, I don't think God was shocked when he was walking through the garden and saw Adam and Eve. I don't think he was like, whoa, wait, wait a second, guys. What's going on over here? Like, I, I don't think he was caught off guard by, by that. In fact, I had the thought this week, how did they know? You know, like, how did they know to, to do it? Because... They were the first people ever created. So, like, God apparently not only designed sex, but I, I wonder if, like, he, like, had to show them, like, hey, guys, this is, this is how it works. I don't know. I really, I, I'm just curious about that. I really am. Um, so the, the church, man, we just don't talk about it a lot. Well, today we're going to talk about it. We're going we're gonna to let God's word define it for us. So um, uh, although some churches don't talk about sex, the church I grew up in, the only message... I ever heard growing up about sex was it's dirty, wrong, and bad. So you should save it for the one you love, right? <laughs> just save it for save it for marriage. I mean, hey, well, it's it's dirty, wrong, and bad. So uh, yeah, okay, that's that's what I got out of it, right? But I know I know that's not true because God God's word says so much about it. He's pro sex, like he's for it as long as it's his way. And can I just tell you that? Can I tell you that you're, you're never going to experience the, the highest fulfillment, the, the greatest version of sex until you do it God's way? That's where you'll experience it uh, with, with great pleasure. Now, um, even if I wasn't talking about sex today and we were just reading the Bible, it would still be PG-13. I mean, the, the Song of Solomon is, is borderline like rated R. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's there. Like, so it would be PG-13 anyway. I mean, Proverbs 5, for example. It says, may her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. That's Hebrew for bow chicka wow wow. Come on, somebody like <laughs> bow chicka wow wow. Come on, that's what it means. That's, that's, it's there in the Bible. I'm not making it up, right? So God has some life-giving things to say about sex. And I just I want to clarify that. And so we've got to stop looking at our definition of it. We've got, to, we've got to let God's word define sex. And I want to show you kind of where, where sexual strongholds come from. It's in Romans. So if you've got your notes, go ahead and pull those out and follow along. Or if you've got your Bible, turn in your Bible with me to Romans uh, chapter, uh, chapter 1. Chapter 1. All right? And it says this, this. He's talking about sex here. Talking about sexuality, sexual conduct. He says, they knew God... So in other words, they, they went to church. I mean, the people he's writing to, they, they had known about God. Like, oh yeah, I know Jesus. I've, I've heard about Jesus. But they wouldn't worship him. And that word just means they wouldn't submit to him. They wouldn't subject their lives to the lordship of Jesus. So they wouldn't acknowledge that God was right and they were wrong. Okay? And so they, they wouldn't worship him 
as God or even give him thanks. And they begin to think up foolish ideas for what God was like. So I want you to notice a pattern. There's a spiral here. So, so they think they know God. They don't really. They, they're not submitted to him. They don't worship him. And because of that, they begin to redefine God's standard. They begin to think up foolish ideas of what God is like. And as a result of that, their minds became dark and confused. And, and that's where some of you are today is uh, you're, you're in a place where it's, it's dark and, you, and you're confused. And, and maybe, um, maybe you're involved in some, some sexual conduct that's, that's got you in a place where, where you're, you're just, you're dark. I mean, you're, you're ashamed. You're acting out in ways that make you feel guilty and condemned. And you're right here, dark and confused. Well, what happens a lot of times is when we end up in that dark and confused place, we begin to think that we're wise. Like, oh man, the church is old fashioned. The church, they don't really know what sex is really supposed to be like. No, I mean, I mean, we're, th- this is what God really created it to be and, and they become utter fools instead. Are you following me? And we're seeing this in our culture, right? We see that all around us. We keep going. As a result of that, as a result of their minds being dark and confused, they start doing vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for what? A lie. And we, we discovered in week one of this series that all strongholds, uh, they start in the mind and they start with a what? A lie. They start with a lie. It starts with a lie. So what we want to do today is we want to we uncover some sex lies, some things that the enemy's trying to get us to believe in our culture. And so we're going to dispel those sex lives. And, and so if you're taking notes, um, the first one is that sex is just an animalistic action. I mean, I just, I can't help myself, Pastor Ben. It's a feeling. It just overtakes me and I just, I can't control it. It's just animalistic. And let me just remind you today that you don't live by feelings. Come on, you're a child of God. We don't live by feelings because uh, feelings are fickle, aren't they? Feelings will lie to us. Feelings will destroy us. Listen, we don't live, we're not defined by feelings. We're defined by a relationship with Jesus Christ. We live based on what God says about us, everybody. That's how we live our lives. So you're not defined by the world. You're not defined by sexual instincts. No, you are who God says you are. Amen? And, and I, to be honest with you, if I live by my feelings, I wouldn't be your pastor. Right? I just do whatever I want to do because the, my feelings tell me to do it. We can't live that way, and you can't either. We can't operate that way. It reminds me of hunting, actually. Um, how many, any, any hunters in the house you like to hunt? Like, I love to hunt. I love to hunt, but I only go hunting if somebody invites me because I don't have any of this stuff, right? So I, don't, I just like, I, I don't invite myself. I just wait until they're like, hey, you want to go hunting? Yes, I would. I'd really like to. So shameless plug there. Okay, next, next year, <laughs> next season. So I, I really do enjoy it. Well, I've noticed last year, actually, I killed my first buck, 11 point. It was beautiful, beautiful. So uh, we get it mounted and put it right up here by the front door. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but uh, what I've noticed when I'm hunting is that um, man, when the fawns come out, the fawns, they have uh, no care in the world. They're just like, whatever, we're doing our thing. Life is good. They're not the prey, right? They're, they're, they're not being hunted on, right? But then the doe come out. The, the does come together, kind of like ladies going to the restroom. They just travel and, and, and hurts. 
So they, they're together, and that's what I've noticed. And so they, they're a little bit more careful, you know, but I think they travel in, in a group for that reason, right? And then there's the buck, and the buck comes out, and he's just, he's, he's slow. He's just, he's not, he's not in a hurry. He's taking his time. He's, his eyes are up. He's looking out. He may get something to eat, head back up, and he's being careful. He knows. He knows, right? And, until the rut, He's careful until the rut. And then he hears baby girl, and he's like, what was that? Come on. Where you at, girl? I'm coming for you, girl. I'm coming your way, right? And he just, he gets distracted, and he gets careless, and then he ends up on your wall, right? Right, he ends up on the wall. And here's what I'm trying to say today. I'm using that illustration because here's the thing, guys. I'm talking to ladies, too. But if you live by your feelings, you're going to end up on the wall. Okay, you're going to be Satan's trophy at that point. So you can't live by your feelings. Can I get a good amen? amen? All right. The second lie we buy into is that it's just recreational activity. It's just fun. I mean, it, the, the dopamine hits, all of those things, all, all of the feelings. And, and oh, it's just, it's just recreational. I just do it for fun. It's, Pastor Ben, it was just spring break, man. I didn't even know her name. It's okay. No, it's not okay. It's, it's not okay. Why is it not okay? Because God designed sex to be way more than just an activity. It's, it's a union. Come on, it brings two people together. The Bible says that it's where two people become one, where they're bind together. It's a union of the soul, the mind, the body, the spirit. And, and, and in a very real way, you take a piece of every person that you sleep with with you. They take, a, they, they take a piece of you. So it's not just recreational activity, but that's what Satan wants you to believe. He wants you to believe the third lie, which is it's just an isolated event. I mean, it, it's, not like, it's not like we're doing this in my house. You know, it's, it's like, like my wife doesn't know. Like it's just, you know, I, it's just here. It's in the context of the moment. Like it was just a one time thing it doesn't follow me like I can click it on I can click it off it's really not a big deal like like the world would even have a marketing slogan for that they say that what stays in Vegas what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas right wrong wrong because what happens in Vegas shows up in the counseling office what happens in Vegas shows up in the courtroom what happens in Vegas shows up in alimony and child support can I talk that way? Is it, I mean, I'm just, like, I want to help somebody today. It, it hurts. It's, it's, it's destructive. It's not just an isolated event. It, you don't just keep it to yourself. Listen, the more you give yourself away, the less you have to give to anybody else. So, so it's not just an isolated event. And the fourth lie that Satan wants us to believe is it's just physical. It's just, it's just, it's just us doing our thing. You know, it's just like we're not in love. We don't ever want to spend the rest of our lives together. It's just, uh, it's just friends with benefits. That's all it is, Pastor Ben. But, but really, it's not. See, it's not just physical. It's completely spiritual. It's completely spiritual. Because there's a union that's taking place there. Let me clarify that you're not just a physical being having a temporary spiritual life on this earth. You are a spiritual being having a temporary physical life on this earth. 
Okay, you are spiritual in every way, shape, and form. And God's ultimate desire for you, and listen, hey, no condemnation. If you're in this right now, there's no condemnation for you. No, no guilt, no condemnation coming from here. I'm trying to help you today, okay? But listen, God, God's ultimate desire for us is to experience intimacy. It's intimacy. Intimacy is the highest form of satisfaction, the highest form of fulfillment and pleasure within a marriage. That's what God wants for you. The way I would define intimacy is into me, you see. Like, like you know everything about me. Like sex isn't just a, it's not just physical. No, I'm letting you in my life as my husband or my wife because I want you to know everything. It's a place of vulnerability. It's a place of, it's a place where, where your body is now subject to your spouse and you are one together. You are in this together. You're, it's a place where you know and you see everything about me. And so sex is not just physical. It's not just something that you do flippantly. See, God has created, sex is kind of like a, a really nice campfire and it's beautiful and it's lovely, and we enjoy it inside the parameters. But when it gets outside of those parameters, it becomes a deadly forest fire. Come on, it begins to destroy lives. All right, so here's what we've got to remember, is that real love is defined by a commitment to a person. It's not a feeling. It's not, it's not what we feel on the inside. It's a commitment that I'm going to stay with you, that I'm with you, that I'm for you, that, that we are together. It's a commitment. And this is why pornography is so destructive, because it's, it's, it's no commitment. It's a feeling. You're just, you're just living based, you're, you're experiencing that. You're, you're, you're acting out sexually based on a feeling. And chances are, if you're, if you're married, it's affected your intimacy in marriage. All right? And so what the enemy's trying to do, what Satan wants to do, is he wants to destroy the very thing that God wants you to have so badly, which is intimacy. He's trying to destroy that, okay? So I want to show you a scripture. Kind of, we're just, we're just walking through this, this sex talk today, okay? Um, this is back in Corinthians, learning a lot from Paul. Paul wasn't silent on the subject. Corinthians 6 he says this, he says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? So if you're a Christian, if you believe in Jesus Christ, he's your savior, um, what he's teaching us here is your body is not your own. Like he goes on to say that you are a temple of what? The Holy Spirit. You belong to him. So your bodies are members of Christ himself. Don't you know that? So he says, shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them, put them together, make them one with a prostitute. Because never, I would, I would never suggest that Christ get with a prostitute. Now, let me give you context to why he's writing this, okay? Who's he writing it to? Any guesses? The church at Corinth. Corinthians is the, the church of Corinth, okay? And the church at Corinth was um, a, a church that he planted. Well, if you know about Corinth, it was vile and vulgar and, and very, they were very far from God. Those people were far from God, okay? And uh, they actually, the people of Corinth, worshiped the love god, Aphrodite. And she, there was a temple set up to her to worship her where there were over a thousand prostitutes and priestesses 
who would engage in sexual behavior as acts of worship to their God. Like, like the way you worshiped was you just had sex with prostitutes. And Paul is saying, hey, guys, no, no, no. There, we, we don't do that. We don't live that way. And so I want to remind you that t- today, even though it may be appropriate, it may be acceptable in culture, it may be okay in the culture like it was in Corinth, Paul's saying, no, 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 not as a body of Christ. No, not, not as the people of God. We don't act that way. He goes on to say that, do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. So what do you do, Pastor Ben? How do you get away from it? You've got to run. Like flee. Flee from sexual immorality. That's the Greek word. For those two words, the Greek word pornea, which is where we get pornography from. Okay, it just means any sexual behavior outside of God's parameters for sex. And he says, all other sins a man commits are outside of his body. But he who sins sexually is actually sinning against himself, against his own body, okay? So how do, I, how do I deal with this, Pastor Ben? How do I, what am I supposed to do? Um, Paul says to us in, in, um, in verse 19 that we've got to remember our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Come on, we belong to God. We've got to remember that he bought us with a price, that we are not our own, that our body is God's body, and whatever we do to this body is very much like we're doing it to his body. Hey, come on, so if you wouldn't do it in here, can I just tell you that this building is not the temple of God? You are. God doesn't dwell in bodies, or in in, in buildings, he dwells in bodies, he dwells in you. So why would we do something here in this body but we would never think about doing it in here. Oh, I can't do it in the church. That's, that's a sanctuary. No, you're the sanctuary. I'm the sanctuary. I belong to God. You belong to God. This is just a building, right? We belong to God. So what do I do, Pastor Ben? How, how, do, I, how, do, I, how do I change all of this? Here's what we do. Thessalonians, we've got to know that God wants us to be pure, and he wants us to keep clear of sexual sin. We got to run. We got we to distance ourselves from it. So God, God's not called us to be dirty-minded, to be full of lust, but he's called us to be holy and to be clean. So I want to give you a few principles today to wrap up. Four, four principles. How do, I, how do I keep clear of sexual sin? How do I live a holy and clean life? Okay? This is for those of you in the room today, those of us gathered here who... And you're, you're in a struggle right now. Okay, and I just want to normalize the conversation. I'm not saying that it's okay. I'm not saying it's acceptable. I'm just saying it's, it's happening. Let's talk about it. Let's not, make, let, let's not put a stigma on it. Come on. Come on, let's, let's not act like, like, like your sin is not quite as bad as somebody else's sin. Right? Let's, let's just normalize the conversation and, and just recognize that we're all dealing with something and yours might, might be this issue. Maybe, you're, maybe you're, uh, you're scrolling too much and you're, just, you're, you're, you're involved too much with what's going on on your phone. You're, you're, you're involved in, in pornography or, or whatever that is. Or maybe, maybe it's a romance novel. You just can't put it down. You keep buying them. And you begin to look at other people the way you see people in those novels. Come on, it's time to break the strongholds, okay? So how do we do it? Number one, 
You've got to make a commitment to God's way. God's way. But the world says, no, 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 no. God's way. It only works God's way. And I tell people all the, all the time, you have a 100% chance of success in your marriage if you do it God's way. You, ha- you have to do it. it. It only works when we do things the way God designed them and God defined them. So we've got to do it his way. And this is what I want to say here is we've got to repent, okay? We've got to repent. We've got to turn the other way. If we've been headed this direction, we need to turn this direction. We need to go in, in a complete different way than we've been following. We've got to make a commitment to God. Uh, the word repent just means to, to change your mind, to change your, 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 your direction, not to just ask for forgiveness. So much of my life, I thought repentance was just ask for forgiveness, and I, I never changed. I always wondered, why, why am I still struggling with these things? It's because I didn't change my mind. And that's what a lot of what this series is about. It's a mind issue, right? It's the difference between your prefrontal cortex and your limbic system. Different discussion. All right. It's here. And so we've got to, like Paul says, take control. We've got to take captive every thought. It's a mind issue. So when you repent, what happens, Pastor Ben? Isaiah says that though your sins are like scarlet, when you repent, they will be white as snow. Come on. That though they are red as crimson, they will be white like wool. But, but you have a part to play in this. You have a role to play, okay? And that is that you've got to come out from, from among them, okay? You, you, you can't keep doing the same thing you've been doing and expecting a different result. You can't keep living the same way, making the same decisions. You can't think the same way anymore. You've got to be separate. Well, well, Pastor Ben, if I wanted to be separate, I'd have to quit my job and all of that. No, listen, you can be separate without being isolate. You can be separated without being isolated. You can, you can work somewhere and you can set up some boundaries and some walls and you can say, I'm, 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 I'm making some decisions that I'm not going to touch an unclean thing. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to receive... When we do that, he's going to receive us. And I'm going to be a, a, a son or a daughter to God, says the Lord Almighty. I love that. So we've got to repent. But here's the thing. Um, this message alone doesn't have the power to change your life. It's a starting point. But it's, it doesn't have the power to change and destroy the yoke of bondage in your life. You're going to have to do some other things. You're going, to have to, you're going to have to pursue, right? What else do you got to do? You've, you've got to manage your mind. So it's, it's not, it is making a commitment to God's way, but I know a lot of people who are committed to God's way who still struggle, okay? And, and now we've got to begin to manage our mind, our thought process, take control of our thoughts, take control of what's, of what's input into our lives, because we're in an all-out assault. I'm just telling you, culture is in an, it's an all-out assault against us. Uh, the, the porn industry in America is the number one exporter of porn globally. Um, pornography in America, there's, the revenue from pornography in America is greater than NBC, CBS, ABC, NFL, MLB, and MBA combined. Combined. Well, I mean, but, but, but that's, you know, that's not me. It's not really my struggle. Our family doesn't struggle with it. The youngest, 
the, the, the average age of first-time porn viewing is 11 years old. But not my, not my Sarah. Four out of five 16-year-olds are regularly viewing pornography. It, it's an issue. Like, like it's an issue. Uh, even in the church, it's not just, I'm not even just talking about outside of the church, inside of the church, 30% of women, 70% of men. It's an issue. It's a battle. It's a stronghold, all right? And, and here's the thing. You're only seconds away from seeing pictures and videos, from being inundated with, with, with pornography, with immorality. Listen, here, there's another pandemic sweeping the world. Come on, I'm not talking about COVID. I'm talking about there's a pandemic of sexual immorality sweeping our culture. And it's not just taking, it's, it's, it doesn't just have the power to take your life. It has the power to take your soul and your spirit and your eternity. Come on, it's time that we stand up against that, right? That we take authority over that and parents I just want to I don't want you to be naive well you know my my kids are good you know they're they're it's not a struggle for them they're not really dealing with it I want you to assume that they are assume that they are and when you when you when you when you talk to them about it don't come in and go man you pervert looking at that stuff no no don't do that don't blow up on them and and talk about how you can't believe it you thought they were so good no no if you do that, you will push them away and they will never open up to you. And they will deal with it. They'll, they'll hide it. And, they'll, and, and we've got counselors in the room who would just say, yeah, yeah, we see people all the time like that. We couldn't. When you talk to your kids, say, hey, I, I know you're probably struggling with this. And I just, I just want you to know that, that I know you're struggling with it and it's okay to talk to me. I'm, don't be embarrassed about it. I just don't want you dealing with this for the rest of your life. I want you to get free from this area in your life. Can, is, is that a good idea? Come on, just normalize it with your kids because here's the thing. Romans 8 says that those who are dominated by sinful nature, they're dominated by it because that's what they think about all the time. It's what consumes their mind. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, they're controlled by the Spirit because they think about the Spirit. Because it's what, it's what they're putting in their mind. And so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads you to death. But letting the spirit control you will lead to life and peace. In our home, we don't have certain things. We don't have uh, Netflix. We don't have um, HBO and Cinemax and Showtime. We don't have some of those programs that have really great content on them. Because they also have some really bad content on them. And we just decided we're not going to open our, our doors. We're not going to open up our lives for that. We don't want it to be a temptation. I'm not trying to press that on you, but I'm just saying that's what the Murray household has decided, right? That's what we, we decide. We're not going to let certain things in our lives because it will set a hook. And so um, we've just decided that this is, our, this is our prayer. I will set before my eyes no vile thing. I'm not going to put anything before my eyes. I just don't want to even open the door. I don't want to be tempted. I don't even want to open the door for the enemy to have a, a hook in my life. Amen? Amen? You pray about what you should do. You ask God how you, what you should do. We, we have boundaries in our home, right? We have, we have oh yeah, well, well, my kids have, you know, filtering and all of that on their phone, but they'll find a way around it. Just don't, just don't, don't put your head in the sand about it, Okay. 
All right, number three, the third step that we've, we've got to take, we've got to, man, we've got to make a commitment, manage our mind, and then we've got to maintain healthy relationships. Healthy relationships. And young ladies, talk to you in the room today. Uh, if, if there's a relationship you're in with a young man and, and he's pressuring you to do things you don't want to do, run. Run. Oh, but he's sweet, and, and I'm just trying to lead him to the Lord, lead him to the Lord as a friend. Don't put yourself in a position or a situation where, you, where, 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 you're, where you're tempted, right? Just say no. Take out your phone right now and just say, you know what? It's over. I'm, it's, I'm, I'm good. I don't, I don't need this, right? Oh, but he's so kind and he's so loving. And what, Pastor Ben, he only goes to the bar three nights a week. And so, I mean, it's better than my last boyfriend. No, no, no. Hey, he's, he's, only, he's only punched a hole through the wall once. Hey, run. Why? Because bad company corrupts good character. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. I'll show you your future. Don't go down that path. Now, I know this too. Hey, guys, guys, be careful who you're with too. It's not just a guy thing. Hey, I know there's issues with girls too. We always pick on the guys, but I know, I know. Bad company corrupts good character so what do, I, what do I do, Pastor Ben? What, how, do I, how do I navigate this? Well, you can't just live your life avoiding bad people. You actually have to, you have to get some good, good influences in your life. Okay, so you don't just avoid the bad. You need to welcome the good. You need to open up your life to an accountability partner. You need an ally. Everybody say ally. Okay, an ally. An ally is somebody who knows your business. They know what you're going through. They know the things that you've dealt with. It's somebody that gets your accountability report from your internet browsing. It's somebody who knows where you are on Find My Friends or Life 360, right? It's somebody, Annalise and I have a relationship like that. We, we just are open. There's, there's no closed doors in our relationship. We, everything we have is one because we're married right? And we are one. In fact, uh, I feel like y'all need to laugh a little bit before I go on. Um, so, you know, I was thinking about if I were going on vacation, where would I like to vacation? Would I want to go to the beach or the mountains? And I choose the mountains because quite honestly, there's not enough clothes at the beach, all right? Just not enough clothes at the beach. You don't even have to use your imagination at the beach. Come on. Like you're just walking around like, oh, Father, God, Jesus, help me. Look. I'm just going to look at the sun so I'll be blinded. I can't see anything, right? Help me, Jesus. This is constant, right? So you go to the mountains to get away from everybody's got clothes on, right? So, so why am I saying that? That's because somebody needs to know if that's your struggle, that it's your struggle, right? Somebody needs to know. That's why small groups are so important. That's why when you get in a group, listen, you're not signing up for a group just to, just to have an activity, just to learn about financial accountability, just to have a Bible study. You sign up for a group because you need a friend, because you need somebody you can take the mask off with and you can say, hey, this is, this is what's going on in my life. Because James says it this way, you've got to make your common practice, make this your common practice, that you confess your sins to each other. All right, so the Bible says we're supposed to confess our sins to Jesus, to God, for forgiveness. 
But here, James says you confess it to each other so that you can be whole and healed. Come on, I'm telling you, there's some of you in the room today, you've spent your life confessing to Jesus and you're still in the battle. You're still struggling. It's still a stronghold in your life. But you, you haven't gotten it out in the open yet. You don't have an ally. And honestly, that's part, of, that's, that's part of my story. I was exposed to pornography at age five. My uncle's trailer. And uh, it kind of set a hook in my life. I never, like we didn't participate that in my home. Like we didn't have those kinds of things in my home. But, but there was like this, there was this hook. And those of you who've been there, you know what I'm talking about. When middle school... I was exposed to magazines, not at my house, uh, just so your parents know, a, a, lot of my, a lot of my first experiences in life weren't at my house. They were at somebody else's house. So I was exposed to porn magazines at other, other friends' house. And I was able, you know, we got away with things there because parenting was loose. In high school, I... Uh, I was doing research for a, um, for a paper on gun control. This is like when, when home computers first came out, we had dial-up, baby. We had dial-up. And I was, I was researching. And, uh, and I, I, I was trying to find information about gun control. And I typed in uh, a, a website that was about the White House. And thank God that this website, I'm not going to give it to you because it's, uh, it used to be a porn website. It was, it's gone now. Thank God it's been bought out. And the White House, real White House owns it. But it was a pornographic website. One of my first experiences on the computer was pornography. And it set a hook. And I, in my high school years, became promiscuous. And, um, and I thought, I, now, hear me out. I loved God. Like, I loved God. I was a worship leader for the, for the youth worship team. I loved Jesus. I believed that I was called to the ministry. But I had this struggle. So fast forward. I'm, I'm getting ready to go to college, and I think, well, maybe, maybe if I just, uh, maybe when I get to Bible college, all of this will just go away. And, and, you know, I really won't struggle with it anymore. But it followed me there. And I thought, well, I'm in Bible college. Maybe, maybe if I get married, that'll solve the problem. Have you ever thought that before? Yeah. If I get married, this will solve the problem. It followed me there. Well, if we, if we just get in, in ministry, then, then ministry will, you know, it, it'll make me holy. It'll make me right. I won't want to do those things anymore. And you know what? It followed me there. And I'm, just, I'm, I'm just letting you in. I'm just I'm giving you a peek into the early part of our lives, our marriage. It was tough. You know what? I, I tried everything that I could think of. I tried praying harder. It didn't work. I tried trying harder. <laughs> It didn't work. I tried fasting. It didn't work. I, I tried reading books on it. It didn't work. Do you, know you want to know the one thing that made all the difference in my life? When I confessed it. When I got it out in the open. When, when I found some allies in my life that could know what was really going on. And I'm so thankful that uh, even to this day, I have multiple allies in my life who know. So you're, you should know that your pastor has ally, allies. I have people that I've talked to multiple times throughout the weeks and months of the year, and they know what's going on. And I'm just telling you, it's never going to change until you confess to each other.
till you confess to each other. Yeah. Trying to give you hope. Trying to help you see that, okay? All right. The fourth thing that we've got to do is, is that we've got to magnify God's plan for our lives. Magnify God's plan. So you're not just leaving one, one thing and going to the next thing, okay? You're, you're not, let me say it this way. You're not just being delivered from something. You're, be, you're being delivered to something. Okay, you're, you're not just saying no to sexual immorality. You're saying yes to something bigger than that. Come on, you're not just saying no to a problem that you're facing. You're not just solving a problem. No, you are saying yes to something that is so much bigger than your problem. I'm talking about your purpose. That every one of you have in this room, you have a purpose, you have a destiny, you have a life to fulfill, you have, you have something that God wants to do in your life. And if you want to know what helps me, if you want to know what helps me as your pastor, stay clean not go down the wrong ways it's my family it's, it's Annalise it's my allies it's also you it's you because I wake up in the morning thinking about you and when I don't want to read my Bible Sunday's coming <laughs> I think about you when I don't want to pray I think about you. If I, wanted to, if I wanted to throw in the towel, if I wanted to just go follow my feelings, I think about how many of you would be devastated. I think about the, the smear of God's name in Wichita Falls. I just want to tell you, you need, you need that in your life. You need a calling. You need a purpose. You need people to count on you. You need people who are saying, yeah, they've made all the difference in my life. You need people who are calling you and, and, and asking you the hard questions. And the, lie, the biggest lie of the enemy is that you can do it without it. You, you need a calling. Would you bow your heads with me today? I've got to wrap up. I want to ask you, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? Father, I just come against every, every bit of condemnation and guilt, every bit of shame, every lie of the enemy that is trying to bombard and, and keep people in bondage today. We renounce it. We reject it. We take authority over that in the name of Jesus. Your word says to take every thought captive. And so we take captive every thought of immorality, every thought of sexual impurity, and we make it obedient to Christ. Well, we make a commitment to you today to, to, to manage our minds, to maintain healthy relationships, to magnify you, to, to glorify you, Lord. We thank you for the purpose that you've given us, the destiny that you've given us. Father, I thank you for your spirit moving in this room today. I'm praying this is the year of freedom. People are breaking free in Jesus' name. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to do it a little different today. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I do want to lead you in a prayer. I want to lead you in a prayer. If you're here today and you're ready to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, to surrender to him, to go his way and not your way, to repent, to make a commitment to him.
If that's you, I want you to say this prayer with me today. All all across this room, let's all say it together. And if, if I'm talking to you, mean it in your heart. We'll have some next steps for you. Say this prayer. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm sorry for doing things my way. Will you forgive me? Cleanse me. Purify me. I'm coming home. You're my Savior. You are my Lord. You're my best friend. From this day forward, I choose to follow you the best that I know how. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, let's give God thanks today. Let's praise God for salvation.